You're listening to Raceru Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceru Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceru Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Raceru Radio. Uh, we got a birthday boy on the other line. Jordan, happy birthday. Thanks, man. I'm uh, getting too old, too fast. I don't like it. Well, you're only as old as you feel. So, you know, what you're yeah. 32, how old do you feel? When I wake up in the morning, I feel 65. Well, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I just started r- back to running this week. Um, first time since my ACL injury. And uh, my knees feel like they're about 65. <laughs> they're, they're, at first, I was a little worried because my left knee was kind of like, no way, homie. And I was a little worried about that. But then my right knee started resisting too. I'm like, oh, no, it's just my body just saying, we haven't done this in a while, and I don't like this. Well, after I ran last weekend, my body was like, never again. Because, <laughs> like, Sunday was rough. Oh, I bet. I bet. That usually is the first time you get back on the horse. Yeah, Sunday was, Sunday was pretty rough. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, very interesting. You know, Jordan had a big week, obviously. Uh, Jordan picked the winner at Kansas uh, with Bubba Wallace, so we'll get to that. Uh, who? Yeah, who would have thought? I so, did. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so we'll get to Kansas. Uh, uh, Formula One was in – where were we for Formula One? We were in – Italy. Italy. We were in Monza. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, first of all, Jordan, uh, how was your birthday night? What did you do? Did you do anything special? Did you go anywhere? I did absolutely nothing. Well, you know, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was a Thursday, and I had to wake up at 2 o'clock this morning. So, yeah, didn't really do much of anything. Just, I mean, we went out to eat, but I always do that every Thursday. So, um, Status we, quo. Yeah. We went up to the camping show today, but that wasn't for my birthday. That was just trying to peak interest on some other things, see what everything's looking like, and then play a joke on dad when I got home. <laughs> Would you send him a picture of a fifth wheel and say you bought one? No, I told him I was going to need his truck next Tuesday. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so your truck is bigger than his. Yeah, but I don't have a hitch in it yet. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So, yeah. So it was, it was pretty funny, but, well, I laughed. He didn't. <laughs> I can imagine. All right. Well, tomorrow is a, is a big day because everything in the world is going on tomorrow. Yeah, so we got cheer and we got that the Dirty Dozen um, mud run and there's a pirate party in downtown Moxville. And tomorrow is going to be a big day. Yeah, tomorrow is the Elijah Hawkins golf tournament. Too. And that, and that. Yep. Yeah. There's a... a bike race out in uh, Farmington, which is about 15-ish minutes from here, if that. And we would be doing that if we didn't have everything else in the world going on. Motorcycle so. or pedal? Pedal. Pedal. Oh, I'm uh, out. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be racing my shadow. 
<laughs> well, you can't but, lean that in the corners. No, no, that, that's not exactly a, uh, a racing bike, but I am competing in, in a karate t- competition tomorrow. So there'll be that. And that'll be an all day affair after uh, Kaylee's cheer. So tomorrow will be a big day and be fun to talk about that next week. But for now, we're going to start with our fit tip. So I posted this on the Facebook page earlier this week. So I want to talk about Olympic lifting this week. So Olympic lifting is, uh, so you hear, you hear, you'll hear things tossed out like powerlifting, bodybuilding, um, and Olympic lifting. And, uh, if you're not really, you know, if you don't really pay attention to it, it's kind of all like very like, well, what is what, what is the defining factors of each one? So Olympic lifting is basically just two moves. It's the clean and press and the snatch or clean and jerk really is the, the Olympic version of it. And then the snatch, which, um, aside from being great jokes about the one particular one, uh, they are great moves because they encompass the whole body. The problem that you run into for the average person is they're kind of hard to learn because they incorporate the whole body because they're highly technical, highly skilled movements. They're really, really tough to learn and even tougher to master. But because of that, I think a lot of people stray away from them because they're so difficult. They look awesome when you see people doing them on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook and all that, but people stray away from them because they're so technical. They're so difficult. And, you know, as much as people want to look awesome, snatching 225 pounds over their head, uh, most people will try to record themselves and they'll end up on ridiculousness with the bar on the back of their head, flipping them upside down. (laughs) But, um, I want, I, I would like people to take into consideration that because it's a full body movement, you're using the whole body in one move. It becomes a really good movement to learn. And so the way people should really start doing this is just pick up a PVC pipe and utilize that. I mean, trust me when I say, when I, we do clean presses and body pump, they don't always look, they don't always look good. Okay. But, and they are, but they're fairly white, lightweight that we're throwing around. And so people can learn off of these light weights and they can, you know, they can learn how to, you know, use the hip hinge to bring the bar to their hips for a clean and for a clean and jerk, clean and press, bring the bar to the hips, pop the hips through, fall under, catch in a squatted position, drive the bar up with the legs, extend with the arms. Like you can learn all that using just the light weight and then progress obviously as you go. Um, and the more that you do them, the, the, you know, like I said, we try to use these functional movements um, because you're incorporating more than one muscle group. So this is the perfect move for it because it, you really can't get much more muscle <laughs> recruitment than doing a full body move like this. So they'd be great for a lot of people, even if you're just learning the move, even just like being able to learn a clean and jerk, a clean and press, a snatch with a PVC pipe is going to be highly transferable to other moves because with recruiting so many muscles in a movement and making everything work together in that, it's going to take another move that's a little less technical, like just a bench press. I mean, we can make a bench press really technical, but for the average person just doing an average bench press, if you can clean and jerk a light bar a bench press 
the idea to it, the principle movement of it becomes fairly easy, you know? So, and then learning cueing off of that, like um, keeping the bar over the chest. Well, if you, if you learn how to clean and jerk, if you learn how to snatch and move your body through that, following the cues beyond those becomes really easy. So I think that the discipline of learning them can carry over to other aspects of fitness, but it can also carry over to other aspects not related to fitness. It takes a lot of discipline to learn a move like one of these two. Um, so having the discipline to, to be okay with it and then to get decent with it, then to get pretty good with it and then to kind of master the technique and then have to go all over again because you put another 10 pounds on it requires a lot of discipline that, you know, that, that can just transfer to other areas of your life. You can transfer to your nutrition, just your day-to-day -day at work, at your home. So I think it has a lot of carryover to other aspects. And that's why I think a lot of people should work them into their programs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm more on the side of like you were just saying, kind of like getting in the habit of it and helping you learn to stay consistent with it um i mean we've talked about it before that when you're when you're lifting there's things you need to focus on to be able to make sure your form and technique are correct and like you said it transfers to other avenues of discipline and helping you uh keep that discipline all the way through everything you're lifting and i mean i wouldn't actually when you mentioned it, I actually wouldn't have compared either one of those to bench pressing because they're, to me, they're different unless, uh, yeah. I mean, like bench press, you're laying down the other two, aren't you standing for both of them? Yeah, you are. But what I'm saying is like, because you have to follow so many cues throughout the movement, it's when you go to another movement, there's less cues. The cues are easier to understand to begin right. with. Right. Like it, if you listen to some of the cueing that people bring for a clean and jerk, it's like it, it's like speaking another language because you, especially if you're going from the floor, it's like, you know, keep the hips back, pop the hips forward, drop down, catch. Like it, it's, there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of different ways to say it. And so it goes, it gets very confusing when you should be doing what, when you should be going fast, when you should be exploding and when you should be um, just kind of moving to get to the next station. Uh, so when you go to another move, that's just like a bent over row is another example or a bench press where the movement is a lot easier to understand. It's, you can follow the cueing easier is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they right. transfer from one to the other. It's just that the, the idea of perfecting a move that's so hard Right. When you go to one that's not quite as hard and it's like, oh, this is comparatively easier to understand. Right. Yeah. And it helps you, like you said, maintain that discipline of getting in rhythms and staying on track of the same movement that you're doing. Yeah. And if you're thinking about it for more of a functional standpoint, you know, this, this move has a pull from either from, you know, if you're hang cleaning or hang snatching you're going from basically you're lowering down to the knees if you're going from the ground your pull is obviously from the ground but you have that pull you have leg action from obviously the pull the hip drive and then as you fall under and catch then the stand it up that's 
a leg that's a front squat in a clean or in the snatches an overhead squat. So one or the other. Um, and then if you're doing a, the jerk for it, it's, you know, once you stand it up, there's a little leg drive, little leg pop, and then there's a push overhead. So it's got all three of your, you just got your leg, you got your push and your pull. It kind of works the whole leg really. And you got your quad in there, you got your glute in there, you got your hamstring in there. So all of the leg muscles are helping out here, you know, so it's, and th then you can take these moves over to other things like to do an accessory for this, you can be doing front squats. You know, it, tra it transfers right back into these compound lifts that we always talk about your squats, your bench presses, your uh, rows, you know, all, all the compound movements that we talk about, you can use these as accessories to these moves. And there's people who all they do is the high level athlete. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, it's a CrossFitter from Australia where she has his dreads in and um, his, uh, his first name starts with a J, but I'm drawing a blank right now, but that's but he, all he does weightlifting. Like he does Olympic weightlifting and he does, he does cardio because he does a lot of triathlons. And so that's all they do is they do these Olympic lifts and then they do accessory moves off of them. And you can build a great physique off that um, functionally. I mean, how often are you going to bend down to pick something up and then put it over your head to put it up on a shelf? I mean, or pick up, like we, I always use the analogy of picking up a child. Like, you, you know, this is a move that you're literally going to do all the time at a much, much lesser scale than trying to lift 200 pounds. I was going to say that until you said put it on the shelf. <laughs> That's why I laughed. What, put the kid on the shelf? Yeah. It's like Toy Story, picking Woody up and putting him up on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, well, I was thinking like picking a kid up and lifting him yeah. over your head, like playing like that. And then you were, uh, man, this is a wreck fest there. Um, <laughs> you were saying about picking something up and putting it on the shelf. And I was literally about to be like, you can pick your kid up. And you were like on the shelf. And I was like, oh, that would be kind of funny. <laughs> so. But like to, to incorporate these in, these can be supplemental to whatever program you're already doing. Just throw them in every once in a while. These can be the, you know, the focus of your, your plan. You can change these up by sometimes you're just doing them. Maybe you're doing up to 20, like any other, you know, session, uh, any other uh, phase that we've talked about before. You can do them for heavy singles, heavy triples, set the five, set the 10, uh, up to 20, whatever you want. You can do them with lots of rest. You can do it with little rest. It's no different. It's just this, using the same move over and over again, accessorizing with moves that are going to, you know, help out these movements that you're already doing into them, breaking down the movement. So getting through, like you can go off blocks, you can just work on the jerk part of it, you can do overhead squats to work on the catch and standing up the bar in a snatch. So there's a lot you can do just off of these two moves. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of functionality to it. Switch to kettlebells and dumbbells. Um, and it, you can do a great, make a great physique, highly functional body, whatever you're looking for, you can use these two moves to get it. That's good information to have because that's not something I would have thought. 
actually I would, I would challenge, like, if you're thinking about, um, like a sedentary elderly person that's, you know, functionally able to actually, like we said about using the PVC pipe, this is a great move because you're using the whole body. And this is, you know, we're, we're thinking about injury prevention, pe- preventing that population from, you know, losing control of their body. If you're engaging the whole body and being able to move just the PVC pipe, um, you would like to think that they're much more able to just walk across the floor without tripping, <clears throat> Pat. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. He's because the, these, this is really how I would program some things. Sometimes I might think about who I'm building this program for and like, okay, this is, this is how I would build something for Pat. Right. This is how I would build something for mom, for dad, for Nana, Mel Hope. It's just, you know, or not just people in, the, in my family, but it's like, that's, that's, you know, how you can program things is that, that kind of person. How would I build a plan for them? And, you know, that's, this is something that I would, throw in on a very, very, very minor scale, just because it's more functional. We're not trying to build muscle and it's, it's going to help them, you know, prevent injuries. Yeah. And it, it's kind of sounding like it's really good for rehabbing too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So but that's a, that's my little spiel on, Olymp- on Olympic lifting. Um, I think it has a, a place in just about everything, even if it's not about just being throwing that sexy 225 pound bar way up over your head and making a lot of snatch jokes. <laughs> I want to, I want to back up. I want to back up a few episodes ago. We were talking about the uh, women in fitness kind of thing um, related to that. Like how I said, don't go and just talk to women in, in the gym, but this, this apply. don't go up to anyone ever. I don't care if they're male or female or other whatever in the gym, never go up to somebody and say, Hey, I like your snatch. I want to see your snatch. Like, don't ever, I don't care if you're being serious or joking. Never say that. It's not appropriate. It's never appropriate. It's just a workout, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, speaking of uh, snatches, uh, I guess it's time for dirty talk with Jordan. <laughs> I like the way you transitioned that. That was good. <laughs> so, guys, we didn't have a whole lot of racing going on throughout the week. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of radio silence since last weekend's races. Um, the All Stars are still up here in Central PA. They're actually one, running at the Grove right now, which is why I said they're wrecking a lot because they just had back to back flips. Um, but I did want to start off by saying uh, prayers out to Caden Steele. Um, I don't know if you guys seen it on the my Facebook page. I posted it uh, this morning. Um, he had a really bad fire um, in the cockpit of his car. Uh, I think his fuel line ruptured or something, and it lit his cockpit on fire, kind of much like Kevin Harvick's did, um, but this was a little bit different. It engulfed him completely in flames. He jumped out of the car and was rolling around, and we That's got all that. Yeah, it's it's one of the scariest things ever, but we got to give huge credit to DJ Nato. Um, he jumped out of his car and he went over and tried to help him put the fire out. He actually caught his glove on fire while he was trying to do that. So he had to put himself out, too. Um, but I shared on that Facebook post that this is the second week in a row that I mean, 
we've seen it before, but this is the second week in a row that a driver was on fire and other drivers got out of their car and went over to assist in what they could. A lot of people would say they don't need to be doing that. They don't have the right equipment to do it. Well, they kind of actually do with their fire shoots. A lot of them wear a uh, triple layer. I think that's what you guys wear in NASCAR. Um, but a lot of them wear a triple layer fire suit and they're kind of designed to help with that. Um, and they try and put the driver out because if they're on fire, usually they're the first ones that can get there. Um, so the good thing was, from what I heard, if there's a positive out of it, um, he's expected to make a full recovery. Um, he has second degree burns on his leg, but they're not third degree. And I'm, from what I'm understanding, he doesn't need skin grafts um, to help fix that. So just wanted to keep him in thoughts and prayers because um, that's a real, real scary situation. Um, but a huge shout out to DJ Nato for jumping out of his car and helping out. So we'll jump to last weekend with the Outlaws. We will uh, finish up these um, Silver Dollar, the Golden Cup. I think that's what it's called. But Silver Dollar Raceway, one of my favorites. And like I told you before, that and I-55. And for the exact reason that I'm going to tell you about night three, but first we'll hit night two. Carson Macedo picked up the win. Um, I'm sure you guys are getting used to hearing his name because he keeps winning a lot. Um, but he's still battling Brad Sweet for the point lead. Brad Sweet still got it. Carson Macedo is trying to get it, just can't get over the top. So then the final night, local outlaw, Jacob Allen, picked up the win for Shark Racing. Love their team name. Um, him and Logan Schuhart had a 1-2 finish. And when I say 1-2, I mean it was literally 1-2 by 0 .05 seconds was the finish. Um, pretty much photo finish. Neither one of them actually knew which one of them won. Um, and they were talking about how you normally can go around and look at the scoreboard and see who's at the top of the scoreboard. Well, they're both number one. One's 1S, one's 1A, but they were both 1-2. Jacob Allen ends up getting the win out of it, which is really cool to see. This has been his best season so far with wins. So glad he's finally coming around. He's, he's one of those guys that he put in so much work and you can see each year he gets better and better. But it's awesome to see two local PA boys go out and run the Outlaws and win on the West Coast. So we'll jump to the big show with the All-Stars last week. And that was a Tuscarora 50. And Saturday, well, Friday, let's go to the night before. The night before was Lance DeWeese. He picked up the win on the second night. Um, I mean, it's Lance DeWeese, Port Royal, Williams Grove. Um, speaking of which, he's leading at Williams Grove right now. So Lance DeWeese, anytime with the lead, he's usually going to pull it down for the win. But then we'll go to the Tusky 50. Now, this was pretty interesting. So the Tusky 50 was Saturday. And this is going to be the crazy part. So Lance DeWeese, who won night one, and Anthony Macri, or Lance DeWeese won night two. Anthony Macri won night one. Neither one of them made the feature Saturday. They both missed the feature. Are you, are you kind of blown away by that? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So here's the kicker. Because they won the two nights before, they're automatically locked in in 17th and 18th spot. Or, yeah, 17th and 18th spot, I think, or 18th and 19th. They were automatically locked in. So 
missing. They were both actually supposed to be in the C main, I think, and neither one of them started um, because they were locked in. So here's where it gets even better. Do you want to know who won Saturday night? Macedo. Guess who it was? Macedo. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't run with the All Stars. He runs out well. Yeah. Who won? Anthony Macri. Macri. Okay. He started nineteenth and came up and got the win. How many laps? Fifty. Yeah, that's pretty good. But they run twenty. They run about. I think they run twenty, and then they take a red flat, like an open red, and then they run the next thirty straight through, and. He came from 19th to pick up the win, which is awesome. I mean, he, he was just – he was flying. <laughs> he was fast. It, I, I mean, I don't want to say I've never seen anything like it because I've seen Fred Raymer do some crazy things. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was just cool to see him go up and pick people off one by one, sometimes two in a lap. He was just boogieing. So he picks up his first Tuscarora 50. And he still remains the winningest driver in uh, sprint cars in the, the country right now. So him and Marks are the, the top two, I, I believe. Macri's definitely the top one. Uh, I think Marks is right there behind him. Speaking of Brett Marks, they raced at BAPS Motor Speedway last night, and uh, Brett Marks picked up the win. Um, that was not All-Stars. That was local racing. Forgot to mention that. That was local racing. It was not uh, All-Star shang- sanction like it is tonight. Um, but, yeah. So, Brent Marks, Macri, they're always getting named week in and week out. But, other than that, the Outlaws are at – I can't remember the name of it. It's a different track. I don't think I, – I think it's their first time there. Um, but they're there tonight. That's actually the same track that uh, – Caden Steele uh, was on fire at yesterday. The Outlaws weren't running, but it's an Outlaw show tonight. And like I said, the All-Stars are at Williams Grove. And then the biggest show, well, second biggest show to me, but um, biggest paying show at Lincoln tomorrow, the Dirt National or the the Dirt Classic. Um, Casey Kane started it there, and now it's an All-Star sanction race. Um, that, that's the big show that's there tomorrow. So we'll see you uh, – can get the win at Lincoln. Hopefully there's a good bit of cars there, but I'm going to be golfing in the tournament, so I won't be able to see it. I'll just have to be able to update you guys. So that's all I have for Dirty Talk. Uh, well, on the subject of the fires, wasn't one of those, didn't uh, Freddie Raymer come in and like K-pal somebody and that's what set it on fire? Went up at port. Uh, one, of, one of the fires I thought they, I, I saw on Facebook it started because there was a wreck kind of in front and Freddie Raymer came in and re- like, he just had to lock down the brakes and just kind of slid and just no. hit somebody. No. So actually I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about the one at port. Um, with yes, Dylan, it was me. port. It was um, port. And what happened there is Freddie Raymer's front axle broke going into the corner. Mm. And that's what caused them two to go up into the guardrail. And as Sisney was flipping, it was actually Zeb Wise in the 26 um, came in and, hit uh Sisney while he was flipping and that's what caused I don't know if it was a fuel fuel line break or something or his brakes caught on fire but the rear of the car ended up catching on fire and that's when uh Logan Wagner and Danny Dietrich shout out to them 
uh, they both got out of their cars and they were the first two there. Uh, there was a guy with the fire extinguisher, but he wasn't as quick as those uh, Dietrich and Wagner. And they jumped on him and tried their best they could to put him out. Dylan Sisney actually did not get any burns, which was awesome um, for the situation. See, methanol is hard um, to see because sometimes mm -hmm. it burns, it burns invisible. Yeah. So when they're on fire, they, it just looks like they're rolling around on the ground. Yeah. Um, there, I think there's a good video on, uh, I don't know if it's, a, if it's methanol, but the field that they use in, in Formula One or IndyCar, there's a video of, of uh, like one of their fueling systems getting detached, just ripped in half, and all the guys on the pit crew are just rolling around, and it just looks like they're rolling around for no reason, but they're all on fire. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's that racing fuel is, in, in some of the series, very, very dangerous in, in that regard. I think there's an additive that they can put into it so it actually does appear, mm -hmm. um, but they don't all necessarily run that. Um, Sisney, you could see his car was on fire, but you couldn't tell he was on fire. Now, with the Caden Steele one, I mean, his whole cockpit was engulfed, and yeah. I'm sure fuel got onto him, and it was all over his pant leg and down his fire suit. So, um, yeah, I, I did. I think I did see that one, and because I, I did see a couple different fire ones. I think I saw the one you were talking about too, because I, I saw that he got out of the car and he was running around, and his pants are mm -hmm. on fire, and you just couldn't get him out. And somebody, I think somebody basically like laid him down and just started jumping on him, right? Yeah, well, DJ Nato was uh, trying to smack the fire off of his leg, and it caught his glove on fire. Yeah. So he was waving the fire crew to try and get there as fast as possible, and they were trying to spray him, but he just kept jumping around. Yeah. You're burning. Like, I was talking it's, about what, yeah, today. You don't, like, what do you do? You're like, hey, you're on fire. Yeah. You need to stay where you're at just so when, the fire crew can spray you out. Well, and you don't think about it. You're yeah. taught all your it's, life that's, that's you're on fire to stop, drop, and roll. But yeah. when you're actually on fire, the real thing is, what are you thinking? You're just thinking, get the fire out. It's burning. Mm -hmm. So they uh, eventually got him to lay down so they could point the uh, fire extinguisher at him. But, I mean, I'm sure it was it was hard to just yeah. be like, oh, here, I'll lay down while I'm on fire. Yeah. So. Well. <clears throat> all right. So we'll move to uh, to the NASCAR side of things. So last week we had Kansas and uh, I really haven't been that into the truck racing this year, but um, last week we had a very interesting race for the trucks. Carson Hosevar stays out and just about gets his first win, gets passed by John Hunter Nemechek coming off turn two. That pass, even though Hosevar finished the second, um, he had a poor enough run in the first two races that he gets eliminated, which is kind of surprising because Harsavar has kind of been one of those guys who's, I feel like he's been there a lot of the year. So it was kind of surprising, but you know, they ran their first playoff race at back at LOP, I believe. This, it's been a while since we were back there that um, Pokin was either the last race or the second race or something like that. It's been a while. Um, and they only have a few more races to go, obviously. Uh, so that was, you know, that was Kansas. It was a good race. Um, looked like Josevar was going to pull it off, but he just couldn't hold off John Hunter Nemechek for, for one more lap. Um, and then last night they were at Bristol and it was a, it was a good truck race. They, uh, it was kind of like vintage Bristol. They were all hugging the bottom. Um, but, uh, Ty Majeski picked a good time to get his first win, but, uh, we can cover that more next week. <clears throat> so, uh, then, after the truck race. Real look. quick, 
Do you like the older style Bristol or do you like the newer style Bristol? I I like what they have going on right now because they kind of have worked the bottom. The thing is, is that especially in a cup race, you can't do 500 miles without them working their way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it does get exciting to a degree, but I think that the old school Bristol was unbeatable. It was hard, not harder to pass. It's hard to pass now. It's just there was one lane, one and a half lanes before. And a lot of times the only way, like if you rooted somebody up off the bottom, you got them. Like if you, yeah. if you got them, if you got underneath them, you got them. Now well, it's like you, you can get underneath them. To, to bump them out of the way though. Well, yeah, but you could, you could kind of get a good run. And if you got the nose there, you got the nose there. And the train was on the bottom. So if you uprooted somebody or like you just got underneath them, you got position under them they're going to go back because the line is just going to hold them up there until they can find a hole to get back in. This one, this Bristol isn't quite the same. It's good racing. It's, it's kind of, the deal is, is like either track is going to be a top five track in NASCAR. So I think even the Bristol dirt race is really good. It's just by comparison of the Bristol we all know and love. It's, you know, you can keep changing it, but it, it, you're just plugging out one good race for another. It doesn't add to the, to the season, I don't think. So, um, but anyway, uh, we can get more into that as we get to Bristol this weekend. But for the, uh, the cup race, I'm not going to lie. When, when you picked uh, Bubba Wallace to win that cup race, I was a little, I wasn't surprised. The Toyotas were really fast there in the spring. The, uh, the 45 car obviously won with Kurt Busch in the spring. And I thought that you were right. I thought Bubba Wallace would have a good day. He finished 10th in the spring um, and had a better car than, than that. So, but he came back and he was really, really dominant. It took him a little while to get to the front, but once he got to the front, they were gone. Um, Denny Hamlin tried to reel him in there for a while at the end, but that, that was an impressive statement for Bubba Wallace to come out and say, look, I, hey, I had that win at Talladega. Uh, it was rain-shortened out of restricted plate race, but that's not all I am. I came out here. I won it on an oval. And I think he kind of silenced some of the critics. Not, everyone's going to always have something to say if they want to, but he didn't fluke into that. He didn't nothing. He, he went out there, and he kind of whipped their butts, and he did it all afternoon, and it you know, showed everyone he could do it. Yeah, and I mean, he overcame another loose wheel to do it. That's right. He he dropped all the way to the, well, I don't know how far it was to the back, but he had to work his way back up. And once he got back up there, he was, he caught Bowman, who was the fastest car for a while and passed him and ran away with it. Yeah, and so, you know, another thing, obviously the Toyotas were all fast. I don't think that surprised anyone. Um, I think one of the, I did not pick him, but I thought that Hamlin would be good because he's, he's kind of peaking. He's, he's showing the most speed he has all year and Kansas is a good racetrack for him. So it made sense. He was fast, but there was a lot of guys up front that have kind of reemerged or kind of like we're setting a statement uh, guys we haven't seen for a while, like Alex Bowman, William Byron was kind of, he's been up there the last couple of weeks. Uh, for a time anyway um 
you know, Ryan Blaney kind of poked his head up there for a little while. So some guys that we kind of were writing off were, were showing their muscle and saying, hey, not so fast. I'm not going down without a fight. Uh, obviously, they're getting some help with guys like Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick having bad luck in the first two races of the playoffs, which is very unfortunate. But, you know, hey, that's sometimes in the playoffs, you just need to show up when you, when you really need to get some points and just do enough to advance. I mean, look at look at Blaney. He barely made the playoffs, and he's sitting pretty good right now. Well, this is what's interesting about Blaney is I, I'm kind of critical about their situation right now because we all know the point system going into the year. You know, consistency matters, but you have to, you know, you consistently have to show that you can win in this system, or you're never going to win a championship. You can't go to Phoenix and think that you know. Hey, I've had a streak of top tens, or I have the second most top tens on the year, or whatever. That's not going to fly, you know. Even if you make it there, someone's going to beat you. You have to be able to compete in that top three or three or four to get there and to win. And they they just haven't done that this year. Now, none of the Fords have been particularly stellar in that regard. I think um, Harvick and Logano have shown the best speed, um, but they both keep running into bad luck with it pit stops or wrecks or you know fires in the case of Harvick but um Blaney's just not really been you don't you just don't talk about him coming out and showing speed to win races so I think that's going to come up to bite them eventually even though they finished second in points so and with all their stats they were deserving of it I'm not saying that they're not it's just you haven't talked about them well, I mean, if he can stay consistent enough, he might be able to make it to the round of four. I think I think he he is just as capable as anybody's to make it to the round of four, but it's all about who has the hot hand um, early in the year. I mean, look at Chase Briscoe. He was very hot early in the year. Uh, after they won that pole gateway, they had that tire, and it's like their whole season deflated with that tire. They have not been good. They had a string of, I think, like six races where they didn't even finish in the top 20. Um, I think they finished, it was like 13th or 14th on Sunday. And that was their best finish that they've had in almost three months. And so that's not going to do it. That's why, you know, it hurt them at Darlington to get caught up in that wreck. And if they didn't have that, they would probably be sitting a lot better on points right now, but he would be, yeah, I mean, yeah, he would probably be in, in good shape. Now the cut line going this weekend, we'll get to is very tight. Um, but I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, obviously Harvick needs a win, but I think Chase L, uh, Chase Briscoe might as well. So we'll get to that in just a minute, but I do want to finish my thought on Kansas. So we go on and on. I go on and on about this. I'm not a fan of Kansas. Uh, I have been critical of it. Um, schedule's out, and Kansas does retain both races. So what is your feeling on the two Kansas races this year uh, for – you know, not just because, you know, two different guys have won it, uh, but what is your feeling on the racing at Kansas? I mean, obviously the mile and a half have been getting better and better this year um, compared to what they used to be. But I do like, I don't know, I have to say I kind of like the way Kansas is. I like how it's, I don't know, I guess I'm just the top uh, person who loves people running the top. And that seems like the preferred line there. And 
it it looked really cool for them running around the top. Um, but I guess you can run around the bottom while restarts, but that might be about it. So I, I don't know. It seemed like it was good racing, and it seemed like there was a chance to have another pass for the league, you know, in the last couple laps. Uh, but Hamlin never got up there. So I have to say they they probably were pretty pretty good races. Um, all things considered, I mean, I don't think they were complete snooze fest. I thought they had a lot of action in through them. Um, I can't really remember the first Kansas race, but again, like Larson was running the top and Kurt Busch came up past him and took the win away. And Bowman here was running in the lead with what, 70 to go. And Bubba came up and passed him and drove away with it. Um, but there was still a chance for someone to catch him. So I, I don't know. I kind of like Kansas getting the two dates. I think it was Kentucky was the one that you could really hug the bottom or you could want, run the top. Um, even though I know your feelings on Kentucky too. Oh, Kentucky is worse. <laughs> but, Kentucky is worse. But I, I think Kansas put on a pretty good show. So here, here's my, here's my feelings with Kansas right now. Um, well, they'll back up and talk, talk about Kentucky. Do you remember that memorable race at Kentucky? Yeah, exactly. If I, I was going to say, if I say no, you're going to be like, exactly. The, the only one, I mean, you can think of the finish of the, the race a few years ago where Kurt went Kyle by Kyle. Larson, yeah. He outdueled Kyle there at the end. When Kyle had the better car, it's just caution came out. Um, green, white checker, and Kurt just kind of snookered his brother, got the run on him, and, and danced away there to get the checker. That's about it. But the other than that, that race wasn't very entertaining up to that point. So, um, but along with Kansas, if you talk about Kansas, it's been on the schedule now for, for 20-ish years, 20, I think it's 21st year. Um, there have been memorable races there. You talk about Carl Edwards just absolutely flooring it into turn three to pass Jimmy Johnson. He did until he hit the wall. <laughs> and there was that. There was the, and then he didn't. <laughs> and then he didn't. There was a photo finish with, uh, um, of all people, Joe Nemechek and Ricky Rudd when Ricky was in the, the 21 car. There's been interesting races at Kansas. Uh, I think that that was, that was the place where they uh, were talking about fire so much this week. There was a random, like, it wasn't even a fire. It was just like a, a big old smoke ball off turn one one time. It's like th there have been memorable times at Kansas. But the thing that's interesting is if go back and walk, watch a race from Kansas, from the mid 2000s, even the early two, 2010s, and it it almost doesn't even look like the same track. It just it races so much differently now, and I, I don't I don't remember where the last time they put the they repaved it. I'm assuming that maybe I'm I'm just missing a detail, and that has something to do with it. Maybe they put progressive banking in, and I'm not aware of it. But you know, it used to be a, a hug the bottom kind of racetrack, and now, like you said, they got you got to hug the top. You got to keep your momentum up it just looks different and i'd say the racing this year was much better it almost looks smaller to me than it used to um but the, the action's better um guys got to be on their toes more as you see with harvick i mean a battle in front of them there was a couple guys that just coming off a corner car just stepped out happened to kyle bush too uh so kevin and kyle two of the premier guys in in the cup series right now you know huge huge veterans and they're having this mistake happen just because 
you know, it's the air changes so quickly. <laughs> and so um, I actually, I, I, I'm not so sold on Kansas yet just because it's put such a bad taste in my mouth. But uh, I, I think it's the, the racing this year has been very good and I'm very happy with it. I'm still, I'm not against them having two races, but I am leaning more into, I think we should only go to most racetracks one time. And so that's my only real justification for saying I don't, I don't like that Kansas getting two races right now, but for the racing it's putting on, I don't know where else I would go in this moment. Texas. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, Kansas put on a far better racing as co compared to at least the all-star race. We'll have to see what happens when we go back for the race in a few weeks. But uh, I, I surprisingly would keep Kansas over Texas because it was just, it was a good race. It was a very good race. Um, the only thing that I would change was the luck the four car had. I mean, he was running well and, you know, Darlington didn't run very well, uh, but would have been okay. And then, you know, Kansas was running well, would have probably put himself in really good position, maybe got some stage points in both stages, finished decent enough and put himself in a position that going into Bristol this weekend, you know, just, just don't screw it up. Now it's, it's, you got to go win. Yeah. So uh, any, any more thoughts on Kansas? No, like I said, I thought it was a pretty good race. I'm, I'd rather them have two than Texas have two. So yeah, this is my only other ar argument with Kansas right now. It's kind of like, yeah, it was a good race. There's not, it wasn't, you know, bubble one. That was, was great. It was good enough. Um, it was good enough. Um, just not, there wasn't, there's not a whole lot to really rant on about. It was just a good solid race. So, which maybe that's a good thing compared to the, uh, the ranting and raving I usually do to Kansas. Um, so we're going to talk about the cut line real quick. So we've got four drivers currently out, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, and Kevin Harvick. Kevin is, I mean, he technically could make it in on points, but it's like you need all three guys in front to not score stage points. Kevin has to get almost maximum stage points and then still finish 20 points better than all three of those guys. And the fourth guy, Austin Sendrick, is the first guy in right now. But it's only a couple points. It's 15 points, I think, that separates the first three in and the first three out. So I know Suarez is down on that line. Um, so yeah. there's one more. But uh, Reddick, Reddick, because he had his problems as well, uh, which was unfortunate because he, you know, he had a car that could contend for the win in Kansas. Uh and, you know, he might be another spoiler that's out. Now, Kyle Busch is obviously below, below the cut line. Um, I'm not too worried about him because Bristol is one of his better races. Uh, his luck, bad luck has come, you know, later on in the race. I feel like Kyle's going to go out and snag some stage points at the very minimum. I think he'll finish better than Austin Sendrick, than Daniel Suarez. Uh, Tyler Reddick, I think this is a racetrack that he'll, he can do well at. But I think Kyle will be fine. He'll he'll he can potentially go and win this race uh, with the speed that they've shown the last few weeks. He's good enough to do it. It's one of his better racetracks. Um, Harvick, with his history there, you wouldn't be surprised to see him win. But I mean, that's all that they can do right now. They just got to go and they got to win. Uh, they don't have any other option. Um, but even Chase Briscoe, nine points back. There's just too many people in front, and especially if you don't really capitalize on stage points 
Now I know they qualified second, but if you don't really capitalize on stage points, man, it's, you're just not, you're not going to do it. You need, you can gain points on, you know, a couple guys, but especially with one of those guys you got to pass is Kyle Busch. I, I just, I don't see it. Um, I went through and looked at the, the history on this race for the guys that are at that cut line, um, which, you know, Austin Cindric, this is his first year. Chase Briscoe only has one year history, but Austin Dillon typically at Bristol, you're talking 10th to 20th in that range. Kyle's very good. Suarez kind of hit or miss. Um, I think last year he finished in like the twenties. So it's, it's kind of hard to judge where people will end up, especially because people are in different situations than they were before. But if I was to guess, uh, if I was to guess right now, based off of where the 14 team has been, where the three team has been, I would say that they'll end up finishing between 10th and 20th. I don't expect them to get in. I think if anyone gets in from this race, that's not in, uh, Kyle's going to get his way in one way or the other. And like I said, if Harvick wins, you wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think Austin Sindrick has to worry. I think Reddick can't make a mistake. And Suarez, they, they just got to do everything they can to, to maximize the points. Yeah, I mean, this is what they wanted when they uh, made this point system. They wanted the cut line to be this close. And this is probably one of the first years that it's this close. And technically only, what, one person's locked in, and that's Christopher Bell. Yeah, how about Christopher Bell? Out of like he's been pretty solid all, all year, but for him to be leading and Byron second right now is kind of is kind of surprising. Not the two you would have pinpointed to be there. No, no. <laughs> so, but it, which kind of shows how their years have gone because Denny Hamlin's finished second the last two weeks and is not leading. So that's kind of I thought that was kind of surprising. <laughs> but you know, with the stage points, it does get kind of funky. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So, um, but yeah, that's that's going on at Bristol this weekend. I love Bristol. It was one of my favorite places to go, obviously, because it's close. You, you know, you go race, and even if it's the night race, you can still be home in your bed that night. So I, I like that. Uh, it's up in the mountains, as you've been there before. It's yes. just it's a cool place to go. It's a cool place to see a race. From the inside, you feel like you're competing in a coliseum. Um, it's just so different because you're down in the bowl and you can look up to see the race cars and it's it's unique in that regard the only other place that's really like that is kind of dover to a degree where you you know as you're competing you're looking up into the track mm -hmm. so uh and you know obviously there's always action even if we're kind of like eh, that the old configuration's better you know you can't beat a race at bristol uh i I expect it to be exciting. And then if this year's been any indicator, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some crazy stuff happening. So um, before we get to our picks, though, do you got anything more on Bristol? No, but it looks like Noah Gregson won the Bush race. Oh, 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 oh. I, uh, I like how you say Bush. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> no. <Xfinity. laughs> I do, I do have a breaking news. This is not official, but I expect it to be. Um, the <laughs> the pit crews will no longer be allowed to jump on the wall to help to celebrate wins with the driver until they're done doing their burnouts. Well, I'm not surprised by that. So Noah Gregson was doing. I was watching as we first started. Noah won the race. He was held, holding off Brandon Jones, um, and actually Sheldon Creed was kind of competing. They got some pit strategy. 
uh, Ty Gibbs was probably the fastest car, um, but Noah ran into the back of Gibbs as they were all battling. It wasn't really Noah's fault. It's just kind of one of those deals you're battling side by side. And I think Ty just wasn't able to get back in the gas right away. And Noah did just, you can't, you don't expect someone to not get in the gas when they were. And so they kind of bumped and it shot Ty up the track into Creed ended Creed's night and his season effectively because it, you know, this is the cutoff race. He won't be in the playoffs because of that. Um, well, not because of that, because of the year, but it's like he, he was leading and was in the playoffs. So, uh, but he had started to fall back. Algaier passed him, and then these were the next couple guys to pass him. And so then they wrecked. But uh, the next, you know, Algaier was pretty much dominating that race. And then he got a speeding penalty at the end and knocked him back. So um, the big story of the night was Ryan Sieg ended up pointing in. They, they looked like they had a monumental task of trying to get in. But uh, unfortunately for Landon Castle, he had a hub that went bad. And so they had to spend a lot of time fixing it. And with the reemergence of Jeremy Clements back into the points, into the playoffs, which I think was pretty unexpected um, because of that, Landon Castle will be the first guy out. He missed it by nine points to Ryan Seed. So Parsons, man. <clears throat> huh? How about Parsons? Stephen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it got kind of chaotic in there. So it was kind of one of those deals like, hey, just keep your nose clean and, you know, just he hold was, your position. He, he was fast, though. He held in there. Yep. He was fast. I, I got to watch a little bit of it. I didn't get to see the finish of it. But so, well, anyway, Noah won holding off Brandon Jones. And as he's doing his burnout, huh? Three wins in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as he's doing his burnout, he came down the track. I kind of watched it happen. I'm like, I saw him, you know, you kind of watch him kind of do slow circles down the track. And I saw him go to do one more. I'm like, oh, he's awful close to that wall. And he left reared, put the left rear into the inside wall right at one of where his guys were standing. The guy kind of stepped back and like stepped off the wall, kind of like lost his balance a little bit, just like kind of jumped back off the wall. So I'm fully anticipating that the pit crew guys are no longer going to be allowed to get on the wall until the driver's done his burnouts. <laughs> gotta protect the guys because they won't protect themselves i'm telling it so that that i fully expect that out for next week yeah but i mean even with that they have the camera guy that runs real close to the car while it's doing yeah. burnouts like, it's a, a lot of times now it's a drone well yeah it, it sometimes it is but there's somehow yeah. where it's a camera guy and it's like dude you're getting a little close yeah i've been waiting for for one of those times where the guy to just emerge from the smoke and just get get pegged so but anyway so uh that that was uh tonight cup race tomorrow no f1 this week but we do have to talk about monza so uh, monza for for what it usually is ends up being kind of chaotic the last couple of years this is a fairly tame race. Um, Max Verstappen, you know, I know a lot's made of him starting from seventh, but he was up to third by like the first lap. It was, he got a good launch, a couple guys in front didn't. And then, you know, Max does what Max does. He just took over and, you know, he led the majority. He was up to the lead by lap 18. Uh, Ferrari tried a couple different strategies to, to, you know, make something happen because they probably wouldn't have beat him straight up. I think they screwed science a little bit by leaving him out, uh, which they really didn't have a choice. Uh, I think they, because he started on 
the mediums, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they, they had to leave him out a little bit. Um, the hearts would be the tire to be on, though. They what? The hearts seem to be like the tire to be on. Yeah, but some guys didn't go to him just because of the way things fell. Yeah. So, but, you know, they could have brought Science in a little early. I thought Science had more speed than Leclerc. It's just he had a, you know, he was one of the many people who had a grid penalty and started, you know, shotgun on the field, which yeah. that also kind of screwed Hamilton. I think Hamilton had a decent car, uh, but, you know, he started shotgun on the field too and went into turn one, a couple guys just beat and bang, and he had to go you know take evasive action and just kind of let the field go uh and then he didn't really advance for a while he ended up getting up there to like fifth or sixth but uh it was fairly fairly tame race until the end so we're going to talk about this Mm. so the (laughs) yeah so the the safety car the first the yellow comes out sector yellow sector two yellow lap 47 of 53. So it's in a place where you kind of know you're going to need to do a safety car. You can't just get someone out there to move the car. You need, you need a full safety car. <clears throat> and so safety car ends up coming out on the next lap. So we had enough time for them to call a sector yellow, then call a four on safety car for the whole field to basically miss pitting, come by the next time because the safety car didn't get them and pit we ran you know basically the remainder of lap 48 under full caution until they caught up the safety car 49 50 51 52 and 53 that's six full laps of caution at a track that monza you would imagine it's going to take you two or three minutes to get around the track so that means we're doing a good 10, 12 minutes under caution to finish the race, to remove one car from an area that, uh, you know, I believe they said it was between the first and second Lesmos, which is, I, I believe it's the area like farthest away before you start that long straightaway back towards the start finish line. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if, if it was locked up, you couldn't get it out. Okay, that's fine, but it's still not far. There was access off of the second Lesmo Um, Because I think that's where someone else went off. I think that's where Vettel went off when he had his issue. So you should be able to just run wide out there and get off. So, you know, no, you can't just throw a local safety car and get that car off. But if you you see the car there, I mean, heck, you should have be able to have a crane there and get that car off within two laps. Like by the time everyone's lined back up, you should be able to go for two or three more laps. It just took forever. You even saw the safety car workers or the, the marshals standing there, whatever you call them, the track workers just standing there because they had given up on pushing it yeah. and they were waiting for a crane. It just took way too long to remove one car. And, you know, we're, we, we're kind of supporters of Max here We're you know, obviously I would choose the Haas F1 team, but we, we've kind of pulled for Max a uh, little bias, but, you know, I would think it, it would have been nice for Leclerc to be given a chance. I don't think it would have affected the outcome any. I don't, you know, I don't think anyone was really passed. The only thing I could think of is maybe Leclerc gets a little desperate and dives it off into turn one and he clears them both out. Um, but, you know, you, you, you just still, you, I think F1 needs to take a page out of NASCAR's book and understand 
fans don't want to see this thing end under a safety car, especially with 10 minutes of safety car. It's a little egregious. Um, if you want to, you know, I'm not asking you to do green, white checkers until you finish under yellow or finish under green. But I think you just need to have a system in place like, hey, if the caution comes out and it is this much percentage of the race left, stop the cars immediately. We'll remove the obstruction and then we will start, you know, we'll, we'll bring a full safety car out from that. We'll allow everyone to pit and retain their position, however you want to do it from there. Maybe not even line back up. Just, hey, we're, we're going to call a red, stop where you are on track. We'll clean it up. <clears throat> now we're going to, we've got it cleaned up. We're going to go again under a VRC till everyone's allowed to do their pit cycle and then full safety car, line them up let the lap cars go in the meantime ahead of time like that's the thing like oh well, we got to let the lap cars go just let them go like why are you waiting until it's time to go to let them go just let them go well, i think they really screwed up because the pace the safety car picked up russell who was in third yeah it was it was it was very confusing it was just it was very ill prepared it seemed like and to be fair like they made a lot of comparisons to this like oh well you know, they, they have to follow the regulations. This isn't, this is what they didn't do in Abu Dhabi. Well, it was a different race director. The race director at the time had two teams yelling in his ear, start the race, don't start the race, start the race, don't start the race. And you're fighting the issue of as much as you don't like it, if you want to protect the sanctity of racing or whatever, it's an entertainment business. No one wanted to see the championship deciding race with the two championship contenders finish under a safety car. But it's you know, funny how this race, everybody was like, oh, we got to go back green. We got to go back green. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they were following the rules that they have implemented that literally <laughs> because of Abu Dhabi last year. I think, I think the thing that they really missed on is, you know, there was a lot made of Abu Dhabi last year that they, you know, they helped Max. In this situation, to, to restart the race, you're not helping Max. They could have really alleviated the heat that they took from last year by letting the race restart this time, just do the same thing. But now Max is not necessarily on the bad end of it. It's just, you didn't help him by allowing it to go to the finish. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think that, that would help. Him. I don't think it would have made a difference either way, but no, I mean, I don't think so said, who, who knows if Leclerc goes dive bombing and whatever happens happens, but yeah, I mean, Red Bull said on their radio, you know, uh, it's a shame it's not going to go back green. Obviously, they didn't care either way. I mean, they cared because if it finishes under caution, you don't have to worry about them getting passed. But, I mean, Max has been so fast. It don't matter if it restarted or not. No, and um, I think it's 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 pretty insane that after the first three races this year, Max had two DNFs, and we were kind of like, well, you know, Leclerc now has a giant lead, and now we're looking, and it's – you were not me you were <laughs> you were no I, I wasn't the only one i was not the only one i was kind of like because he did he had like it, it was it was probably about a 50 point ish somewhere around their lead 40 high 40s after three races and you're kind of like well you know max has got to step it up but you know ferrari ferrari like we've talked about so many times and max has gone on an absolute tear and now there's a situation that presents itself that in Singapore here in a few weeks, uh, Max could leave Singapore as the champion. Now, 
LeClaire is going to have to really um, screw up to do that. And even Perez has a, a little say in that matter too. He needs to finish, I think, like fourth or worse if Max wins um, or something to that effect. But uh, LeClaire would have to basically get no points or finish like ninth or tenth and Max wins with the fastest lap. So it's kind of a stretch in, to, to walk out of Singapore, but, you know, it's going to be a matter of time. There's still plenty of races left, and, and Max really doesn't need to do too much. And, you know, the way Ferrari and Perez has been running, Max could really almost do nothing the rest of the year, relying on the fact that his, his competitors probably wouldn't be able to do enough anyway. I'm, I'm really starting to question all these grid penalties, though. I think it's funny because it's a cost-saving measure, and then it's just they give them a penalty, you know, to a grid penalty, and it doesn't end up mattering. Yeah, like I mean, we said this a couple weeks ago. It's the 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 difference between the manufacturers is so different that the grid penalties don't matter too much. Right. You know, it. I think it it affects you. You know, but it really didn't. Like last year at in Russia, it. You know, Max started shotgun on the field, ended up finishing second, but it took that crazy rain thing for it to happen. And Max was not going to be faster than Hamilton anyway. I think Hamilton had a better car. <clears throat> and so, but it, that's what we're seeing is these grid penalties just ne- end, end up not amounting to very much in the finishing order. If, if you have a fast car, you're going to get to where you're supposed to be anyway. So um, it's, it's, I think there should be more done to, if you're going to try to, limit cost you got to do more because these guys eventually they're just saying you know what screw it we know we can battle through especially if there's a sprint race coming up which there is one i think in brazil so it's like yeah we can just take our penalty and just get it get some of it back in the sprint race like hamilton did last year get he got a bunch of it back in the sprint race and then you know got the rest of it back in the the main race so um yeah, this, I think that's something they should probably address, but I, I wouldn't expect it. It's just kind of one of those things that it's they're trying to they say they're trying to do something to cut costs, but really the teams just eat it. Yeah. I think I mean they're literally just picking races and saying, okay, we're gonna take a penalty. Yeah. We're gonna take a penalty. I, mean, and- I think Max has taken like two or three in the last few week last few races. So, you know, whatever, no big deal. I'm just gonna go out and win anyway. And he's done that. Do you think he yep. gets the win record? I, I would fully expect to. I mean, he's only got – he's got. I think he's only got to do, like, two more. Two more to tie. And, you know, you know he'll be good. I think Singapore is an interesting one because I think that should, 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 should favor the Ferrari, uh, maybe even Mercedes in that because Red Bull has great straight-line speed, but – you know, if there's anything that we've learned is you can't bet against Red Bull, you know, so especially the way Ferrari's kind of just not really responded over the summer. Well, hey, at least they painted a lot of stuff yellow. <laughs> Banana car. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed to really help them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was <laughs> 70, happy 75th anniversary Ferrari. So that they got, uh, like we said, Singapore coming up in a, in just a few weeks. This is interesting because Singapore is the site of uh, Vettel's last win. So we'll see if he can, uh, you know, kind of throw that Ashton Martin on his back and, and get a good finish. Um, 
But first time, actually, we've been back to Singapore since COVID. So it'll be good to see them on those streets there. Uh, Singapore is a hard, very, very technical racetrack. And so it's you know, usually not one of the higher rated ones as far as fan experience. But, you know, it's always good to go back to a racetrack you haven't seen in a while. So uh, that'll be coming up in a few weeks. Uh, till then, F1 will be off. So now we're going to go to Bristol, like we said, uh, we got that tomorrow, uh, points cut off deciding race. Some guys need to do a lot to get in Jordan. Uh, you won last week, obviously with your pick of Bubba Wallace, I got a top 10 with Kyle Larson. So I got a point, but you, you know, you do a couple more like that. You're going to close that gap real quick. Yep. I'm feeling pretty good about this week. All right. Well, I, well, let's see how you feel after I make my pick. So, um, so I, I'm going to pick the guy who I just, I feel is due and he's finished second the last two weeks. I can't imagine he wouldn't be able to finish it out uh, at a track that he's very good at and is not his home track, but you know, it's one of his closer tracks to home. Uh, I got to go with Danny Hamlin. I think he's just, he's too hot right now to not finally get one. (laughs) Who you got? All right, well, I'm going to go into a different neck of the woods. And I have been back and forth about two drivers, and every time I'm like this, it never goes the way I want it to. But. Are you picking Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? I am not. Okay. Why? I I, I was, the way you were going, I was kind of thinking you were going to try to stretch on that one. No, 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 no. I am a. I'm going to go with Happy Harvick. Uh, I'm going to blame you when, when this doesn't go our way. But when it does and he wins? I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be okay <laughs> that you got those points. <laughs> I, was, I was on the fence back and forth between him and Logano. Uh, I got you. Yeah. Either one of those guys, they win, you wouldn't be that surprised. Now, I, will, I saw all the results from qualifying. At least the front row is a lockout by Stuart Haas, Eric Amarillo, and Chase Briscoe, one and two. So, you know, at least we've got that going for us this week. And I didn't see where Harvick qualified just yet, but, you know, oh, oh, seventh. Yep. Okay. So I will say this when Harvick is qualified in the top 10, he's been someone you have to deal with. So hopefully he can, you know, avoid any, any mayhem and finish the deal from last year. That's why I pulled it up. (laughs) Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I went. I wanted to double check before I picked him, but I don't know. I I told you before, and um, I mean, it it was a little bit of a streak there. But I told you when Harvick gets his back up against the wall, he tends to turn into a different driver. I'm praying for Phoenix from 2014. Yeah, and I just got to win. Go do it. I, I think I think that's where he is. I mean, obviously he has to win, pretty much to get in, and I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> Kyle Busch could be a real big force tomorrow due to the fact that the contract's already done and worked out. Yeah. I think he's in a good, a good headspace. Um, I I would not expect him to be one of the guys that kind of falls by the wayside until the end of the year. I think he's, I think he's going to be much more difficult to deal with down the stretch because, you know, he, he knows what's going on. He's got it all handled. Basically there's no stress about it. And, talking about it with some of the guys today just you know not 
no one close to the situation, but I wonder if this was kind of once Eminem, well, Mars brand pulled out, this was kind of the plan all along. Maybe Eminem's was the only thing keeping Kyle there. Um, you know, maybe Joe Gibbs wanted to get rid of him before because he didn't like his attitude. And Mars brand said, absolutely not. We like him here and we want to keep him as our driver. So now that they're leaving, it was kind of like, okay, perfect time. Let's get rid of him. Um, actually, so final thought, uh, obviously the announcement this week, Kyle going to RCR, uh, I'm a little surprised by them putting him in the eight. I would think most people would riot if they put him in the three. I don't think that that's a good move for RCR at all. I don't, I don't think they would actually, I really don't think like, I've been looking at a lot of places and maybe I'm looking in the wrong places and maybe it's just because I'm up here. But like, I've been seeing so many posts now that they're like, they're saying, you know, the son that Dale Earnhardt always wanted is now finally in the eight. And Richard Childress tend to, I mean, he was really comparing Kyle Busch to Dale Earnhardt. Here's, here's the thing. Here's my argument against it. I'm not saying that Kyle doesn't have a racing style that, is similar to Dale Earnhardt, but I think it's I think it's unfair to Dale Earnhardt to even have Austin Dillon in the three car. Yeah, you see the three car, and and I think it's unfair to Austin too because you see the three car. Nobody really thinks of Austin Dillon. No. I mean, you you do if you're a race fan because you know who's in that car, but you think of Dale Earnhardt. So to me, Austin Dillon, if I was Austin Dillon, I'd be like, dude, I want my own number so people can think of me as that number. You know, I think that's why the 43, well, the 43 has kind of been so far gone from it now. Um, maybe yeah, it's not it's as big of a deal, but the three car, it's been 20 years and everyone still thinks that so synonymously with that three as Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, but it's been Austin Dillon's number since he was little. Yeah, it, and, he's been in Cups since 2015. Right. And the, the rumor has it that, you know, Childress and Earnhardt always talked about whenever he's done to put someone in it, you know, I would think you'd want someone in it. That's a lot more worthy, but um, I mean, I guess Dale said he didn't have a problem with Austin or Ty driving it because of who they were. Yeah. And, and I don't in that regard either. I'm, but I'm looking at it from a perspective of like, if you're looking at that number and that brand, it belongs to Dale Earnhardt. And so if, if I'm Austin Dale and I'm like, man, people see that number, they don't think of me. Mm-hmm. This makes it probably makes it harder to get sponsorship. It makes it harder for, you know, my likeness to do things for me. You know, when you think of the 24, even you still think of Jeff Gordon, you don't think of William Byron first necessarily. Right. So, you know, I, and I think less of that with Kyle going to the eight because junior spent more years in the 88 than he did the eight. Yeah. So, but the, eight, the eight was so iconic. It was, it was. And I still, I'm not a big fan of it just because a lot of guys, that, the people that were, Junior fans were not Kyle Busch fans, so I'm not a big fan of it. I prefer that I would think that they would put him in the 81, just keep him his same number, just flip the numbers. I think that that would be good. The question is Tyler Reddick. I know it was said in the meeting that uh, RC will keep him under contract for next year and he'll race for RCR. However, they didn't necessarily say he'll race an RCR car. So this is something I want people to think about because I, I think it's it's valid. Now, this, this may absolutely be nothing, but I think it is a thought. There is a team on the campus of RCR. Who is it? It's not going to happen. 
That's what. That's who it is. It's not going to happen. And you want to know why it's not going to be Colleague? Why? Because rumor has it Colleague has an announcement of someone who's going to be driving the 16 full-time next year. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. However, I, what I'm saying is they have a car, they have a team right there. Is it possible that Colleague maybe gets their, they want the third, uh, the third charter and they're going to invest in the third charter. Because I think that they might be in a better spot than RCR to do that. Um, I know a lot of the, the up-and-coming teams, the, you know, the track houses and uh, 2311s, if you listen to Denny Hamlin, Justin Marks, they say three teams is probably the best place to be. So maybe RCR really is going back up to three cars, and the plan is maybe 2024 to bring Austin Dillon – I'm sorry, Austin Hill into that car. But – you know, if what if RC keeps Tyler for one more year um, and doesn't necessarily want to field a third car? So, what if they like contract him out to another team? Is what I'm saying. Well, I, think I, gonna, I think they're going to lease a charter. I mean, I think, I think, <clears throat> honestly, I think right now where it's at is RCR is trying to play hardball with 2311. Yeah, and that could be they, – they, they could be just like, okay, it's fine. Like, you can have them, but here's your buyout. Take it or leave it. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that, would, that might end up being a better situation for everyone. Um, but, you know, if, if RC – RCR in general, not just Richard Childress, but if RCR wants to be kind of a pain in Reddick's butt for this, yeah. they could really – they could charter <laughs> – you know, I don't think it will go this egregiously, but – what if they charter him out to like a Rick Ware or a Spire and just say, okay, here you go. We'll pay you. And they'll just cut, like, they'll just pay him his regular deal. But, you know, hey, we're going to contract you out to this team. Go drive their car. Uh, well, and I think that's very well what's going to happen unless 2311 buys him out. This, I, I think that's probably the most likely thing because uh, the longer it goes with Kurt, I just don't expect him to come back. Um, and you wouldn't expect them to bring somebody in for just a year unless they are 2311 does anticipate going to three charters. So I think a lot of this uh, Kurt Busch concussion thing really spurred off a catalyst of things. Um, we'll have to see how it goes in the, the next few weeks, obviously. But that was that was my guess is that, you know, they couldn't announce it. They even said that at the meeting or the, the release. But, you know, what if the announcement for colleague is, yeah, we're actually gonna have Tyler Reddick drive contracted out through RCR I'm just saying that I think it's a possibility I don't I, as much as I'd like to see all AJ Allmendinger go in the cup uh his cup record is not super other than super speed uh road oh. courses other than road courses so I don't anticipate him going up to cup I don't think it's going to be him I mean who's left I'm right uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, unless you're just using him as a building block. I wouldn't, I don't who, think he's your long-term who solution. Do you have, who do you have left? No one. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's a, I mean, if you're adamant about building the team and, you know, Hembrick is a solid guy that's going to be, bring some veteran, you know, leadership to a team and be someone who won't tear up a lot of cars, hopefully. Yeah. Hembrick's your guy. But other than that, eh, 
I mean, you can't run that car part-time because you lost your part-time driver, one of them. You lost Gregson. This is true. This is true. So, I don't know. Maybe. I, I heard that I heard that they have an announcement coming, which it could be that Reddick's going over there, but yeah. Bianchi yeah. on The Athletic said that um, that it's very unlikely that he's going to be a colleague because they have an announcement for a full-time driver in the 16th. What they need to do is they need to reach out to Jeremy Clements to give the dude a chance. I'm just saying. <laughs> Every five years, the dude pulls off an upset. Maybe he will do. Maybe he goes. I'm I'm not going to hold my breath until that one. All right. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, So we'll come back and talk about uh, Bristol next week and what transpires with the cut lines. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining like Bristol always is. And we'll set it up for the next round. uh, And we'll talk about Texas coming up. So hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy the Saturday race and your Sunday off. Yeah, and I'm going to go and uh, join my birthday weekend. Yep, enjoy that golfing trip. I wish I was there and supporting, you know, the Hawkins family again, but, you know, I can, can only do one trip every now and then. We're, so We're, we're here. We're, we're going to be there with me, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I'll catch you later, everyone. Uh, if you, uh, you know, we say it all the time. If you need some fitness tips, advice, personal training sessions, whatever, uh, Go see us on Instagram and Facebook. See our website, racerfitness.com. Uh, or if you want to see me in class, give me a shout. Uh, I'll give you my schedule at the Y. And come check out a body pump class. Until then, we will catch you next time. We'll catch you later, guys. Take it easy. Bye.